You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power. Then you will tell everyone about me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and everywhere in the world. When Jesus said to tell everyone in Jerusalem, he was telling his disciples to begin telling others about him in their local community, right where they were. Our local community is Bethany. BFC's after-school program is ministering into the lives of more than 210 students every weekday. Your investment in the lives of these neighborhood children is eternal. Judea refers to the people within the region. We must continually ask ourselves how we can share the good news of Jesus with those in our region, the greater Oklahoma City area. For those living in Judea, Samaria was the neighboring region whose citizens were of another culture. Jesus' intent was, and still is, that God's kingdom extend beyond one's local community and culture. BFC's Native American Partnership is working alongside Native church leaders in Arizona and New Mexico to see Christ exalted in all tribes and nations. Jesus said that his gospel would be preached to the ends of the earth, to every tribe and tongue. For the last six years, Bethany First Church has partnered in Swaziland, the country with the highest rate of HIV and tuberculosis in the world. We are seeing growth in the Swazi churches and hope and healing being given to those who need it most. Partnering with the International Church of the Nazarene, your giving reaches more than 160 world areas through ministries of compassion, discipleship, training pastors, and establishing churches. BFC has had an important role in fulfilling the Great Commission. As a community of believers, we are reaching our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and are going to the ends of the earth with the good news of Jesus Christ. A few years ago, I had this couple in the church that I pastored, and they were getting up in years and kind of dealing with the challenges that age brings. Um, They were, I think, in their 90s by this time. And, but they were full of life and they were lots of fun. And so one day Juanita says, Pastor Rick, I got to tell you that Roland and I were trying to go to the grocery store the other day and we were walking through the parking lot and we were holding hands and this lady stops us in the parking lot and says, I'm sorry, but I just got to stop you and tell you that this is a beautiful thing. My husband and I, we seldom hold hands, but to see people at your age still in love holding hands, you have touched my heart. And Juanita said, I just looked at the lady and said, Honey, I can't walk and he can't see. We're just trying to get inside the store. (laughs) It has nothing to do with love. Everybody needs a little help at some point in their lives, right? I've been thinking about World Mission Sunday and remember my trip to Swaziland in March. And I remember one day these two guys said to Annette and I before dinner, we had some time, you guys want to walk over and see this orchard? They're growing oranges and grapefruits and tangerines. It's kind of neat. And we said, yeah, we'll walk over there with you. And Annette said uh, to me, you really should spray some of this bug spray on insect repellent. I, I usually don't see the need to do that. But anyway, finally, I just stopped and said, okay, spray some on me. And so she's spraying some on me. She says, you really need some on your face. I said, seriously? 
Okay, here, just spray some on my face. I closed my eyes and nothing happened. And she didn't say anything and I continued to close my eyes and nothing happened. And so finally, I opened my eyes to see why nothing was happening. At which that precise moment, it happened. And so she sprayed bug spray into my eyes and I'm going, I can't see, I can't see. And so the two guys who were with us, taking the walk with us, said, it's okay. And they take me over to this water faucet and they rinse my eyes out and they said, you'll be fine. And they knew that I would be fine because both of them were ophthalmologists. Who knew I would need an ophthalmologist? And I had two of them with me. Everybody needs a little help at some point in their lives, right? Let, let me tell you what I love about today. I love today because today is about the fact that God wants to use you to help somebody. That's what today is about. Today is about the fact that God wants to use you to help somebody. God has a plan for you to help somebody, to share hope with somebody, to share Jesus with somebody. And God wants desperately, desires desperately to use you to help somebody. And so I've been hanging around with you for almost two years. And in the time that I've been here, I've watched God use you powerfully. For some of you, it's going to get really personal in the next few moments. Because God has used some of you to help bring water to a village who had no water. Previously, they had to walk long distance to get water, but God used you to bring water to their community. God used some of you to help people get dental help, get teeth fixed, who had no help of getting, no hope rather, of getting dental help or getting teeth fixed. God has used some of you to help people get basic eye care, basic eye surgery that gave people their sight back who otherwise did not have any hope of getting their eyes taken care of and being able to see clearly again. God has used you to provide a school for orphan children. God has used you to not only go into homes yourself, I watch some of you go into the homes of people who have learned they have AIDS. And I watched you take food in, and I watched you take a prayer and take a song. And you brought hope into people's eyes again and into their lives. I've watched some of you say to parents who live in this community right here, I understand that you have a dilemma. Your kids get out of school at 3 and you don't get off work till 5.30. It's okay, bring your kids to us. We will take care of your kids. They'll be safe. We will love them. We will take good care of them. And God has used some of you in a little pantry just a couple of miles north of here to hand food to people who needed food and to put your arms around them and to pray for them and to share Jesus with them. You have become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Some of you have invited people into a conversation about Jesus. Some of you have invited people to church. Some of you have invited people to come and know Christ. You have become His witness on this earth. And you've made a difference in Jesus' name. About six months ago, I brought to you a passage of Scripture that I want to bring back to you today because we're talking about mission again And I want this passage of Scripture to have 
a deep impact on your heart. And you heard parts of it a moment ago in the video. But in Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, if you would like to open your Bible with me, Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. And then also let us put the words on the screen and let's listen as I read the Word of God, okay? Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Luke writes the book, and he also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And that's why he says, in my former book, meaning the Gospel, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So after his suffering, meaning after the cross, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And what did he speak about? In those 40 days, he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Now John baptized you with water, but in just a few days, you are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Or the kingdom rather to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. I I got to hear an older gentleman preach a few weeks ago, a guy who retired years ago. But he didn't retire from being a Christian, and he didn't retire from wanting God to use him. And he didn't retire from taking opportunities every time he could get them to share Jesus with somebody. And so here's what he says, and I assume maybe he's in his 80s now. And he referred to his age, and he said, I have lots of memories. I have lots of great memories, in fact. But he said, if you ever come to the place in your life that you have more memories than you have dreams, something's wrong. So here's the guy who I assume is in his 80s who says, I have lots of memories, lots of great memories. But if you ever get to the place in your life that you have more memories than you have dreams, something's wrong. Look at me. What do you dream about? I think I'm looking at people who are saying, Rick, I want my life to count. I want my life to matter. I want to make a difference. In all of that, though, what is really important to me is that I make a difference for Jesus. I want my life to count for something that's important. So we open our Bibles this morning to the book of Acts. And I think before you really grasp the meaning of what is being said... You have to understand to some degree the context of 
the situation this is taking place in. The disciples have been following Jesus for how long? Do you know? Three years. And in these three years, they have come to believe that He is the Messiah. They've watched Him perform miraculous signs. They've been amazed. And somehow, in all of this, they believe that He is going to bring restoration to the kingdom of Israel. Now, you might be asking, why does the kingdom of Israel need to be restored? Here's why. They had been in many battles throughout their lifetimes... And what had happened to the nation of Israel is that they had been taken captive more than once and ruled by other nations. Everybody from Babylonians to Persians to Greeks and now the Romans. You don't get it, do you? I don't get it. It would be like this. If you left church today and as you pulled out onto 39th Expressway, if there was setting a military vehicle with a couple of soldiers holding automatic weapons and they were from another country. And they were our police. And they had supreme authority over us. And we paid many more taxes than we pay now, but they were being sent to another government of another nation. Because we were living under the rule of another nation. And so the disciples, like all other Jewish people, are dreaming about a day when they no longer live under Roman rule. And they believe that this Jesus is the Messiah and He is going to restore the nation of Israel. And so somehow when He talked about the kingdom of God, they they viewed it as this political kingdom that Jesus was going to set up on earth. And they were going to bring Israel back to its proper place. But Jesus had this other kind of kingdom in mind. Do you know what that other kind of kingdom looked like? Let's talk about it for a minute. Do you remember this guy comes to Jesus one day? He's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. And he says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus talks to him for a while. And somewhere in the conversation, Jesus says, go sell everything you have. And give all your money to the poor. What kind of a kingdom is this? Who wants to be a part of this kingdom? The Bible says the guy goes away sad because he had great wealth. Can't do it. I don't think that's the kind of kingdom I want to be a part of. One day Jesus said to a group of people, You will never say it like this, the kingdom of God is here, or the kingdom of God is there, because the kingdom of God is within you. It's not a political kingdom that we're going to establish on earth in some sense to rule other nations. It's something that happens in your heart. And so one day he says to a guy whose name is Nicodemus, If you want to enter the kingdom of God, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. He's talking about being born of the Spirit. This rebirth, this transformation that happens in your heart, this new life that you begin to live, this being changed forever by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the disciples didn't quite get it. And so Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait. Because in a few days you are going to be baptized by the Spirit. And I don't think they got it. And they said, what's he talking about? Ask him, is he going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? 
And Jesus says, it's really not for you to know the times or the dates, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you are going to become witnesses, my witnesses. And you will invite people into faith conversations and you will invite people to your worship experiences and you will invite people to come into a relationship with Jesus to become citizens of my kingdom. Okay, so every time we open the Bible and read it, we have to ask questions like, so what does this mean to me? I know what Jesus said to the disciples, and I think I have an understanding of their context. So what does that mean to me? And how do I apply this to my life today? And so let me chat with you about that for a few minutes, okay? And let's everybody else just stay in the room, except you. You can go because you already started out. <laughs> Twenty people have left since I've started preaching. Is it something I'm doing or saying? You want me to calm down and talk slower? Or am I yelling too loud? What is it? Cal, if you act like you're getting up, man, I promise you, I'm going to call you out. I believe Jesus is promising you and I something. He is promising us that He will fill us with His Spirit and He will empower us to become His witnesses. To invite people into faith conversations to worship with us and to know Jesus and to become citizens of His kingdom. So how, how do you do that? What does that look like? Where does that happen? Well, first in Jerusalem, and then it's going to go to all nations. It goes out from there to, to Judea, all of the region, and the next region, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it's not just for the Jewish people because Samaria are kind of semi-Jewish. They're a, a mixed people and a mixed religion. But when I'm talking about going to the ends of the earth, I'm talking about going to all nations. Everybody gets this. But it starts here. In Jerusalem, your community, start where you are and let it spread to the world intentionally from there. And so let me share a little bit with you, okay? When we think about starting here, um, we have a program that we call the after school program. Let me give you a slide where you can kind of get some facts, okay? And so we have about 250 children who come every afternoon of the weekdays to be with us as school is in session. And so we spend... Three hours with them. Fifteen hours a week. We probably spend as much time with some of those kids as their parents spend with them on a given weekday. If they get home after six and they go to bed around nine, you understand that we're getting as much time as their parents are getting with them. What an opportunity. We have 20 people that we pay to be a part of that. And we don't charge those families any money. 250 kids come and they spend three hours a day with us, five days a week, and there's no cost to their families. None. One of the great things I love about it is that we have about uh, 75% of the middle schoolers who stay and they're a part of our youth group. So what else are we doing right in the community here? We have this other situation going on where that uh, we wanted to renovate the Floyd Center because it's just uh, experienced a lot of deferred maintenance over the years and it needs some rehab. And so we came to you and said, will you help out? We need about a million and a half dollars. 
And so what you did was you gave um, $400,000 the year prior to it, and we used that as a starting balance. And then you pledged 633000 488 of that you've already given, and then we need $467,000. You say, Rick, are you worried that we're not going to get the other $467,000? No, not at all. Because some of the money that you've given already was not money that people pledged. And so people are giving money that they didn't pledge. And I believe more people are going to give money who didn't pledge. And I believe that some of you are on the verge of giving. Just in this moment, you feel this urge to reach for a wallet or your phone to, to transfer money over. Anybody feeling the urge right now? <laughs> so some of the other things that we're doing in the community... At Two Lakes Pantry, just a couple of miles north of here, 80 families a week come and get food. You ever been in a position where you lost a job and you didn't know how you were going to feed your family? Wouldn't it be great if there was a pantry in your neighborhood and you could go there and you could get food and you could meet a guy named Thaddeus and he could put his arms around you? And he would say, amen, amen, praise the Lord, I want to pray with you. And he closed his eyes and he began to talk to God on your behalf. And he brought hope back into your life. And you stop by the pantry on another day not to give food but to say to Thaddeus, because this has happened several times lately, Thaddeus, I got great news, I got a job. That's the kind of ministry that is happening there. Forty people come after they leave the pantry on Wednesday. Thaddeus says, if you want to come back tonight, I'll be teaching a Bible study. About 40 people are coming right now and being with Thaddeus in his Bible study. And so we've had to increase some of our funding just because of some tough things that Rock has been through. The district is helping us. BFC and Rock, we're all together in this thing. And I just wanted to celebrate with you. They needed a new roof. And at Christmas, we asked you, would you get involved? You gave $34,000 in an offering to help them with a $126,000 roof repair. And I said to Chuck Sailors last week, Chuck, how are you doing on raising money for the roof? And he said, Rick, with the money from BFC, the $34,000, we got there. We made it. We can now repair the roof. Isn't that good news? Good news. You're part of the church in the Nazarene, right? In the last eight years, our worship attendance in the USA and Canada has dropped from 528,000 to 490,000. Until 2005, we had not seen decline. But in 2005, we did not grow. And we began to slide backward a bit. And so... In the last eight years, we have 38,000 less people attending morning worship in the Nazarene Church in the USA and Canada. Here's the deal. The average lifespan of a church is 40 to 60 years. So I didn't know if you knew that or not, but a church has a lifespan like adults do, like people do. And the average lifespan as a church is between 40 and 60 years. It's born, it grows for about 40 years, it tends to decline for the next 20 years, and it dies. So, Rick, you're saying that churches actually close and they're no more. That's right. 
I've been on advisory boards for years, and it's often that we say, okay, that church died, we've got to close it. There's seven people left, they can't pay the bills, you just got to accept reality, the church lived, it served a purpose, and it died. BFC is not your normal church. It has been alive now for about 105 years. It has never gone through decline. It has grown and plateaued and grown and plateaued and grown and plateaued. And it's never seen this happen. It's an awesome church, isn't it? An awesome church. Unfortunately, it's not the norm. The norm is that a church lives and dies. And so I was sharing my heart with David Busick the other day at lunch. And I was telling him about the dream that I have and the dreams that others have about Bethany First Church becoming a multi-congregational church, meaning that we would have another congregation in this part of the city and another congregation in this part of the city and another congregation in this part of the city. And David began to get excited with me. And he said, i got to tell you something, okay? If the average life of a church is between 40 and 60 years, do you realize that 67% of the Nazarene churches are over 40 years old? We're not this young denomination where our churches are growing and going forward. We are a denomination that's over 100 years old. And so 70% almost of our churches are over 40 years old. That means 70% of our churches are starting to go downwards. No wonder our attendance is dropping. And he says to me, Rick, the only answer is that we plant new congregations. Because new congregations grow differently than established congregations grow. I don't understand it completely, but I know they start with a mission that we want to reach people for Jesus. And they're very intentional about doing that. And sometimes we who are in established congregations, we tend to forget our mission somewhat. And so what is the answer? We give birth. We have babies. Rick, how does a church have a baby? Is it time you and I had the talk? And so I want you to join me in prayer, will you? Because I don't want this denomination to keep going down. We have a message to share. We have something to say to our society. And so would you pray with me about planting new congregations? You may say, Rick, we've had a history of that here at Bethany First Church. We've tried a time or two. Sometimes it didn't go so well. You know when I was a kid and I tried to learn how to ride a bike and I fell off? You know what I did? I got back on. And even if I fell again, I got back on. And the fact is, we Nazarenes haven't been too industrious about planting churches. And we've kind of forgotten how and we're having to learn again. But we are learning again. This is a reality we have to face. Let me talk to you a little bit about what's happening in the Native American district that we have partnered with. We are, we are excited. I, I just took a trip to, trip to Phoenix the other day and I met with this 
group of pastors. And let me tell you something. If you get an opportunity in these next few months to go on one of these trips that is going, you, you got to take it. It's some of the most beautiful country you have ever seen in your life. Uh, I got to go to the Grand Canyon when I was there, but just driving in elevation from Phoenix up to Cameron, Arizona. I mean, the more you climb, the vegetation changes. The sights are different. It's beautiful. You're just going, wow, I didn't realize this kind of beautiful country was in the United States of America. It's, it's wonderful. And the people are beautiful. And the people need us. And we need those people. And we need to partner together because I believe that if we partner with these people, that together we will all be stronger. And so we are trying to help them begin celebrate recovery in some of their churches. And they want desperately to see their, 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 their they, they, don't, they want desperately rather to see some change taking place in this very great need that they face as a people. We, we, we are also sending go teams, uh, we have three that have already gone and two that are planning on going this year. One of those you could be a part of. And then we're also trying to help them establish a center to train pastors. It's a great, great need to bring more pastors onto that reservation. Let, let, me, let me talk to you about as we keep moving to the ends of the earth. Swaziland, let me tell you something, okay? Um, you, you, your church, and I say your church because I wasn't around when you started. You, you guys have done something that has not been done in many other Nazarene churches in our nation. The, the difference that has been made in Swaziland has been huge. You know, you made a couple of great moves. One of the great moves was you, you hired a director in Barbie Moore who, who doesn't think like a lot of us think about missions. She thinks much bigger pictures. And you put on-site coordinators in the country. The Carleys now are the sixth couple who have served there for a year. And, and what has happened in, in these last few years that you've been there? We've had 500 people from our church, most of them from our church, to go on teams since 2008. Fifty, actually four, I think, solar wells have been dug. Um, Terry Hall created this book for pediatric standard treatment. It was a huge need for offering good care to children. It's now in the adult form as well, and the nation uses it. I mean, the entire nation has adopted this book. Um, the Gerald Gassett Memorial Dental Clinic has been established. There's one more slide where I'll give you a few more highlights. Mana Farms has been established at Sanu. The Dean McGee Eye Institute is being created right now. We have built five churches. One more is being built this year. Listen to this. Are we reaching people with the gospel in Swaziland? The church has been level for years, but now, in the last two years, the church has grown by 2,000 people. Amazing. And the hospital, Raleigh Ficken Memorial, has been revitalized. That's all the slides I got for you, but I want to talk to you for a minute, okay? So Jesus says, I'm going to make you witnesses. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you and you're going to receive power. And then what does he do? He ups, as we would say in Kentucky, he ups and leaves. He leaves. He ascends. Where'd you go? Leaving the disciples to be his hands and his feet. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. I am not capable of being your hands and your feet. No, you come back. No. It's you. It's on you now. 
But I'm not capable. It's okay. Let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power and you will be witnesses. Is anybody saying, well, just pour out the Holy Spirit on me, please, today? You ever think about what God can do through one person that the Holy Spirit comes upon and they become the witness that God wants them to be? You ever think about what God can do through one person? Man, think with me for a minute. One man whose name is Fred Evans is in Swaziland one day and he begins to dream about a solar well for a community who needs water. And when you fast forward, that dream becomes much bigger than he dreamed. And all of a sudden, the Coca-Cola Foundation of Africa is involved. And there's a million dollars sitting in front of us. And now there are 54 solar wells in that small country of Swaziland. Do you understand what God can do through one person that dreams? The Rothwells begin to dream about a dental clinic. And today, there is a dental clinic at the Raleigh Ficken Ficken Memorial Hospital. That was hard to say for some reason. (laughs) Somebody said to Bill Dillard, what do you think about this farm being right here on this campus of this school? And Bill began to think about missions in ways that we haven't done a great job, maybe always, in thinking about missions. Instead of giving them money, what if they earned it? On the farm, on this real farm that produces real squash and real maize and real honey and real tilapia and everything else. What if they worked their way through school, working at the farm, and then when they leave, they've learned a trade that they can take with them. And they can use that trade to supplement their income as they pastor a church. It was one day here when Thaddeus was in church that God quickened his heart. And now, once a week, Thaddeus is spending his day at a food pantry with his arms around people, praying with people, ministering to people, and dreaming about when do we open the pantry a second day and another day, and when do we offer more stuff for the youth in the community and for men in the community. Do you understand what God can do through one person? Years ago, Jim Poteet had a burden for this community. And he did a survey and he learned that their greatest need was after school care. And today, tomorrow rather, there will be 250 kids on our property being loved and cared for. Do you understand what God can do through one person, the power of one that the Holy Spirit has filled and God is working through? Will you be that person? If you've got more memories than dreams... Something's wrong. Because we serve the God of abundance. Who is able to do abundantly more than we would ever ask or imagine. And so today, 
Today, you can pray. You can start today. Today, you can give. Today, you can consider going. Today, you can, give, you can begin to pray about what God would want to do through you. Let me, let me just direct you to your worship folder that you received when you came in. Would you take it out for me? Would everybody grab that right now? Lots of information, but if you go to the back, the flap on the right, if you'll notice, it's perforated. You can fold it, like this right here, see? I'll use Bob Miller's joke, he says, all perforations are a ripoff. Maybe the last time I used Bob Miller's joke. In unison, can we tear it off together and make a beautiful noise to the Lord? Here we go. Got it? This is not just about money. This is about starting. This is about giving something. This is about beginning to pray. This is about praying about going. This is about serving. You can start today. And the commitment that you'll make here will be a financial commitment. Last year I challenged you, what if you gave a dollar if you earn a hundred? In other words, what if you gave one percent of your income? To share the gospel of Jesus Christ to take the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What, what, what if you gave 1% of your income? I'm a college kid, Rick. I make 100 bucks a week. You want me to bring in $1? You're exactly right. I want you to bring in $1. And if you gave 1% of your income for the rest of your life to meet basic human need and share the gospel, what could God do through you? For some of you, you already give much more. 1% is a minimum. It's a starting point. It's somewhere I begin. It's a point of reference. Would you fill it out? Would you put it in an offering plate today? Would you say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start today doing something. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to serve. There's somebody here who says, I should be with Thaddeus on Wednesdays. Somebody is saying, I should be going to the Native American Reservation. Somebody is saying, I should be going to Swaziland. Some of you are saying, I should be talking to people that I know about Jesus. Would you let him empower you to be his witness? Kyle, come up, will you? Ushers are going to come in just a moment and receive these. You may say, Rick, I really want to pray about it. I'd say to you, okay, but, but pray about it. And if you want to bring it back next week, it's okay. But take some time to pray about it. Some of you are saying, I'm, I'm putting that in today because I need, I need to commit. I need the accountability. I need to know that I'll do it. If you live in the country of Swaziland and you learn that you have AIDS... And you don't know who Jesus is. And you're not able to go to work and you can't earn money to feed your family. And you feel like there's no hope. Here's what happens. Some people knock on your door. Who are they? They're from the local Nazarene church. What do they want? They brought you some food. Because you're short on food. And they want to pray for you. And they want to offer you hope. 
And they say, well, come back Tuesday and we'll give you a ride to the doctor because we know you have an appointment and you've got to keep your appointments. And in that year to year and a half while you're adjusting antivirals, life is pretty tough. After that year, year and a half, you can go back to work and life can resume pretty much as normal. But the first year is pretty rough. And they say, it's okay, we'll be back next week with some more food. And we'll be back the next week and we'll be back the next week. And when you're supporting, when you're giving, that's the kind of thing that you're supporting. That's the kind of stuff that your money is buying. I think it's a good dollar invested. So Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Keep on filling us with your Spirit. And let us be your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you give.
more than we would ever ask or imagine. Be glory and praise forever. Amen. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.